Support for the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Gentlemen, shaving your downstairs area can be difficult, but those troubles are a thing of the past with Manscaped's Lawnmower 3.0. Featuring skin-safe technology, it glides nice and smooth, so you're not in any danger of nicks and cuts to your delicate downstairs area. It also has a convenient LED light, so you can see where you're trimming, plus it's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. I've been using mine for a few weeks now, and it's awesome. It works great, and it will totally change your grooming game. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes included in the Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Crop Reviver and Crop Preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Get all these great products, as well as a super comfortable anti-chafing boxers, plus a great travel bag to carry it all in. The Perfect Package is valued at over $150, but right now you can get it all for just $89.99. Manscaped features some of the perfect gifts to give to the men in your life. Gift your friends, your family, and yourself the gift of Manscaped. Right now, when you go to manscaped.com, you can use the code BABBLE and get 20% off plus free shipping. That's BABBLE, B-A-B-B-L-E, for 20% off your order and free shipping. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. Ninety-second episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast. I'm your host Matt Loves Luigi. I almost got the name of our podcast wrong because I was thinking about what I was going to do in place of Luigi. Uh, just G and Andrew tonight. No real direction of the pod, but we figured we we'd get online and recap the Yankees' COVID nightmare, taking two out of three from Boston. G, what's going on? Well, we came on here last week and were upset and sad and then in spite of covid they went out there and took two out of three from the red sox so like mixed bag but baseball wise it was a pretty good weekend something about this team as they're currently constructed that i mean they don't have staying power obviously they need to supplement it they need to get healthy if they want to have any chance of competing for playoff spot but the guys they have in right now these hungry young kids and even some some vets like Greg Allen, right? Uh, it just they just bring some energy that the team was lacking. Poor Timmy LaCastro. He brought a lot of fire. If you guys missed the the Boston series, he made a great play in the first inning on Saturday night towards ACL. So he's done for the year. One step forward, two steps back the whole year for this team. Uh, it was it was an under the radar addition. Looks like he he had some some pep and now he's gone. But generally speaking. The Yankees played with a, a level of energy against Boston that we haven't seen in, in quite some time, so that was refreshing. Definitely a change of pace from the the boring, slow, unathletic, homer, bust, we can't do anything but give up home runs and hit into uh, double plays. So it, it was a slightly different tone, and it was definitely fun. Obviously, winning trumps anything, right? They, they were awful games, and we, we won two out of three. We'd still be happy with the results, but the games were more enjoyable than they've been in recent weeks so there's something to be said about that yeah i mean you you won't find anyone who will say like oh the yankees are definitely better without aaron judge and gio shella and lasagna and whoever else but like sometimes you just have to like you know whatever it is the circumstances injuries or this case COVID or whatever it may be just kind of like lights that fire be like oh well we're kind of up shit's creek now so you either have to just play or you're gonna lay down and die and credit to them. They went out there and played with the urgency that we hadn't seen. And um, 
and kept their season alive, which it's every game, but especially every series now that you play with a division rival down the stretch, you're kind of, you know, it's a, it's a season on the line series every time. So it, it really does feel that way where every division rival matchup, in fact, basically any series at this point feels like, like a must win. Now, obviously they're not going to go out and win 70 straight games, but you got to take two out of three the rest of the year or, or close enough to it for them to get where they want to go. I think we had said on our last pod, if they play something like 600 ball from where they were at, at the all-star break, what is that? Like 89, 90 wins, probably maybe that gets you the second wild card spot, but Tampa's really good. Toronto's looking good. Oakland's in the mix too. Cleveland's hanging around there. I just, you feel like you'd have to get to 93 seems like a magic number, but let's quickly recap uh, the, the whole COVID deal that the Yankees went through. Obviously Jonathan Lazga, went on the, the COVID list in Houston, didn't actually even pitch in any of those three games. And then right out of the shoot, before any of the games were played Thursday afternoon, Yankee said that they placed Wandy Peralta, Nestor Cortez on the list. About two hours before the game, Boone's press conference, we started hearing rumbles that the Yankees weren't taking batting practice because of a COVID issue. They were doing testing. Boone came out and said, we have a couple of positives. Cashman came out and confirmed that the total number of positives was six. The the real heavy hitters who were affected by this were Gio Urshela, Aaron Judge, and Kyle Higashioka. Now, we, we've heard that most of the players who were sick were vaccinated. One was not. Obviously, for HIPAA reasons, they're, they're not going to disclose who. But Boone confirmed that you're probably looking at all those guys missing close to if not more than 10 games which during the most critical stretch of the season is awful 10 days but i mean they play most every day yeah i mean well well what's the rule it's two weeks right it's 14 days and i think they have two two game series against nl east opponents over the next week and a half Uh, two games coming up against the phillies and then two games against the marlins so i think with the extra off days in there that's why it may only be limited to 10 games, but that sucks, man. Glaber was able to miss, what, only five or six games, but it's because they confirmed that his was a false positive. doesn't sound like that's the case with these guys. And yeah, you know, I'm, I'm by no means a medical expert, but you would think with the, at least the vaccinated players being asymptomatic, maybe you'd have some hope for them missing less than that, but Boone confirmed the worst, and it, we're going to have to grind through it. It sucks. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, for incredibly noteworthy, incredibly valid reasons, you know, th- th- there's just, this is just something that baseball is going to be, and they should be, you know, very cautious with, and they haven't loosened their restrictions or anything like that. You know, I think a lot of teams have had a high percentage get vaccinated. The Yankees are one of them, but like, who knows, especially with the All-Star game having just happened, you know, Judge was there, like, who knows, you know. Well, well, that's the thing. Who you're hanging around, you know, if you're prolonged exposure to someone who isn't vaccinated, then who, you know, who knows? So it's it's just something that it's fine being cautious about. But baseball wise for the Yankees, it really sucks. Yeah, well, this is this is where where the weird part is, right? Because Loazga was the first guy to get sick and you figured that everyone else on the team who tested positive, you, you would assume that he's the source. You don't know for sure that that's the case. Right. But if it was one way or another, Aaron Judge tested positive immediately after 
after the All-Star game, and there's a likelihood that he was in the early stages of being sick at the time. Now, Garrett Cole, Aroldis Chapman, were also All-Stars, traveled with him, hung out with him the whole time. Neither of those guys are sick. There's been no reports of anyone else who was on the American League All-Star roster testing positive. So maybe he just wasn't contagious at that point, and it was kind of just building up yeah, in the system. I mean, I, I, who, who knows? But Who's it, to say, right? Like, you know, each everyone is different. Everyone's system is different. You know, where they were in their, you know, COVID exposure period. Like, it, it's hard to say, but, I mean, um, as long as they're not having any, like, serious adverse effects from it, that's what really matters. One, in terms of their health, and two, in terms of their immediate usefulness when they return to the team. Right, Because right. we have seen players of all, you know, types of athleticism and skill level and whatever else, right? Like, you know, like... Yeah, Edward, some people are able to come back without issues and others... Yeah, like Eduardo Rodriguez... Two or three weeks to get back up to speed. Right? You think, oh, these are elite athletes, but they all do struggle with it. They've said, you know, they've had serious side effects or lingering effects for a long time. So fingers crossed that, that all these guys uh, don't have anything like that. Yeah, right, because the Yankees are, are doomed if it takes these guys three weeks to get back up to speed, right, after already missing two weeks of baseball. So... Let's talk about the other side of the COVID issue. The Yankees had to completely gut the Rail Riders roster to fill out spots in the big league team, right? The first place Rail Riders, by the way. Yeah, which <laughs> there was a couple of good memes out there that uh, these guys didn't want to get called up because they they were leaving winning baseball to play for the Yankees. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> watch dots, I get it, whatever. Uh, but there is one rule under Major League Baseball's 2020 and 2021 COVID protocols where if you need to fill Major League spots for COVID-infected players, they don't have to be 40-man guys. So that's why the Yankees were able to call up like six guys, right? So uh, well, Trey, Trey Ambergy came up, Hoyt Park came up, Chris Gittins came up because we found out that Luke Voigt went on the IL as well. Although with Gittins, he was already on the 40-man because he came up <laughs> to cover for Voigt last time he was on the IL. Uh, and they've they've made a lot of moves. Uh, obviously, when Tim LeCaster went down, called up Ryan Lamar. So, and, and, and of course, note, I mentioned Greg Allen as well. In terms of minor leaguers, brief side note that I just saw today: the Yankees minor league system, like collectively top to bottom, is has the best winning percentage of any team in baseball this year. Like every team except the Patriots, Double A Somerset Patriots are in first place and the Patriots are like one game out of first place. So and the Patriots have had the most turnover because they've been, a, uh, you know, the, the funnel system for AAA and they've had a bunch of guys. Um, Luis Medina is a good example who started the year in single A and are starting to get their footing in double A. So when you, when you promote guys, they don't always excel right away. In the case of Medina, he actually had like 10 strikeouts his first start. So I'm not saying that he didn't do well, but Double A is, is that weird in-betweener. So if there's going to be any level of, you know, flux, it's going to be right there. So that I, I totally understand why they would be the one team not in first place if the system as a whole is doing well. But shout the Yankees have, the have a – oh, sorry, what was that? I said shout-out to the Yankees minor leaguers. Yeah, yeah, those guys are, are down there grinding. And I just wish we had similar <laughs> type of energy on our big league roster. But – Speaking of the big league roster, the Yankees have a big, big problem on their hands, and it's that we don't have a center fielder. Clint Frazier was re-diagnosed. Uh, they originally called it vertigo. Now it's dizziness. I, 
and I know it's like splitting hairs there, but uh, he's getting potentially fitted for for glasses. I don't know if he's going to wear like contacts when he's playing or rec specs or whatnot, but he's nowhere close to coming back. Miguel Andujar went on the IL with wrist soreness, same thing he was dealing with in spring training, and he's not expected back for another week or two. The Yankees really don't have an option at center field outside of Greg Allen or Brett Garner. And I certainly don't want it to be Brett Garner the way he's, he's played this year. So trade deadlines looming. That's a position that they absolutely should, should address preferably a left-handed hitter if you can get one, but a lot of the guys they're looking at like Starling Marte or righties, Joey Gallo is more of a corner guy. I guess he could play center. Chris Bryant could technically play center, but again, he's a righty. So it's a lot of different ways the Yankees could go if they decide to add to this roster, but See, that's the biggest point, black hole of center field. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was it's already it was already a problem when Aaron Hicks was healthy and just playing like shit, but it's clearly a problem because you know, Hicks has a long-term injury now. You don't know what the hell is going to happen and it's pretty clear, you know, with a few of those types of injuries in the last few years, contract status regardless, the Yankees are probably going to try and get out of that somehow like trade or whatever, you know, but um Gardner came back for his one more year and it's you know he's you know he's just not he's not a useful player you can't you can't play him like you can't rely on him for anything and uh, I mean other than that right I'd sooner once he is back and hopefully healthy just be very okay putting Aaron Judge out there in center field like what's the alternative right and if you in terms of what they have on the team right now, I'd be very okay putting Aaron Judge out there. Clint Frazier, I know this really sucks for him. Like, I was really mad that he was hitting, like, 170 the whole season. But, like, before he had all this vision type stuff, and I'd be like, oh, he's maybe he'll only be down. Maybe this will only be a short thing. Maybe it'll be the mental reset or he'll have a chance to work on whatever he needs to work on and then he'll come back and hit well like optimistically that's what i was thinking but now it's like you know if you can't see you're not of any use obviously so yeah and this is the second time he's dealt with something like this i think like two or three years ago he had similar issues and it was probably recovering from his concussion yeah i mean it stinks but especially you know the low castro injury happened at the worst possible time because i would sooner just run him out there every day but like Mm -hmm. you know the Ryan Lamars and the whoever else is of the world, like you and know, Trey Amber, he came up and got hurt last night. <laughs> yeah, like a, you know, this season is one thing, but we, we've talked so much about the Yankees, like oh, they should sell, or they should do this or that at the, at the deadline. If I was going to do one thing at the deadline, I'd be like, hey, you know what? If there's a center fielder of any handedness of any whatever who's a good hitter, a good player who can play center field. Yeah. Just go get him, Right. Because you can, you can work the rest of the roster, you, you know, one way or another, or find a left-handed bat to play first base or third base or whatever. But like, you know, you can like, they need a center fielder. They get it. They're getting literally zero production from that position unless Aaron judge is there and is, you know, doing Aaron judge things. So, yeah. And I think unless the Yankees go ahead and, and make a trade right now in the immediate, you know, in the next week, you're probably going to be looking at guys who get put on outright waivers, guys who just get released from their club and you can just pick up for free in August. But by then maybe it's too late, right? 
I know you go back to what 1978. Uh, Yankees were down in early August by 14 and a half games, won the division. That's that's a once in a lifetime type deal, right? Um, I certainly wouldn't expect this team to find themselves down double digits any later than we are right now and, and make a rally. So they, they got to linger where they are now and slowly chip away. And the only way that's going to happen is if you get quality guys in the lineup right now. So, yeah, unfortunately, that's that's the situation we're dealing right. with. Like uh, before before this situation really started to get bad, I would have said, like, there's no use. There's no reason to acquire any any long term consideration at the deadline. But now, like, it's like if a, if and Cashman's a smart guy, you know, he's turned up. Hicks and you know Didi and people who we didn't think very much of who turned out to be pretty good players. But like, if you can come up with any, you know, useful center fielder who could be a long-term play, I'd say definitely you have to think really hard about it because what's the alternative? Yeah, yeah, it's the, the alternative is playing Brett Garner every day, but um, it's that's a double-edged sword, right? Because when you say long-term, are you thinking beyond this season? Because yes, Aaron Aaron Hicks's contract isn't going anywhere, as far as we know. You have a boatload of available free agents this this upcoming winter, and like I get the appeal that Cashman does, and he does it more with starting pitching. You get a guy who has more than one year of control because you don't want to pay for a rental. But right now, the Yankees really just need warm bodies, so a rental is is perfect for this club. Right? Like when we went out and we were getting thrashed by injuries in, in the outfield in 2018, what did we do? We went out, we got Andrew McCutcheon, who was perfect for the last month and a half of the season. Oh, well, yeah, but that was also like more of a clear playoff team than this one was. Yeah, like, of course. But the but I mean, he was an obvious upgrade over Shane Robinson, right? So I mean, that's the type of thing we're dealing with right now. Do you want Ryan Lamar in left field or right field every single day? No. Is that a reality right now? Probably. Is there a number of guys you can get for probably relatively cheap who present upgrades and give the team a better chance to win. I would say there's a good likelihood of that, right? So that's how oh, you, no, you have to think, in, you have to think like... of incremental increases. Now, obviously the big fish that you're going to hear is Joey Gallo, right? And he has one year of control after this season, but no, he's mashing best. right now. Texas has played this perfectly holding on to him as long as they have, because they've been out of it basically the whole year and trade rumors around him started swirling. In May, they sold them off at that point. Yeah, obviously you get more of this season out of him, but his value is maxed right now. I mean, so, I just, I don't know. There's a multitude of reasons why I wouldn't want to do the Joey Gallo thing, but I'll just say, like, unless you are going to all of a sudden start playing Giancarlo Stanton in the outfield more, or... Well, they said they're going to do that. What you have a plan of what you're going to do with Luke Voigt since they kind of share a position, then I just don't see why you do that. Like, I have my problems with Luke Voigt. His injury shit is really annoying. Like, but... Like, I, I think... It, I think it... I mean, injuries especially wise, but, like, I think it makes much more sense to just look at the outfield right now. Like, if, if there's a good deal, Cashman's probably going to take it. If the value is good and all that stuff, if it matches, then yeah, he'll take it and I'll be fine with it. But like, you know, beyond the season, right? Gardner's going to retire. You know, you know, you're not going to move. The, <laughs> you're not going to move forward with the Lamars and the Amber Gies and the whoever else, right? You have, you're going to have Judge. 
you're going to have Hicks under contract at this point, I'd say go find a center fielder or find an outfielder and be like, look, Hicks, 10 million bucks, sit your ass on the bench, be a fourth outfielder, work your way back, no pressure. Because they can't possibly bring him back to be like, you know, you're going to lead off and play center field for 135 games next year. Like, two serious injuries in the last... Uh, I think I think you, you doubt how loyal and stubborn this team can be. Dude, I mean, look, he was bad before he got hurt. So yeah, just, but 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 the problem is is that he was just starting to turn the corner right as he got hurt. So naturally, we'll never know where he was on a trajectory to. Uh, but that's that's the way it goes, right? So same thing, saying, same same thing with Luke Boyd. Luke Boyd maximized his value after last season, and then has been on the shelf the whole year this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not sure that I'm not saying they should only look for long term roles or a long term whatever. At the trade deadline, I'm just saying that, like, if you were going to, like, you know, turn up a a long-term solution at a position, then outfield slash center field would be the only one that I'd really be interested in at this trade deadline. Well, that's it. That That's the position need. And then, obviously, you can never have enough pitching. So, whether it be a starter or another reliever, because, obviously, Justin Wilson's been a disaster. Darren O'Day's out for the year. Who the hell knows where... Chapman and Britton are going to be in a few weeks. Oh, by the way, Corey Kluber has not pitched since May, and he's probably done for the year. Just... No, they actually said he's getting close to, to throwing again, and that, that's huge. So, But, yeah, but also he's a starter and he's old, so that's probably like a month of ramp-up time. Yeah, so right. Still, you're, you're getting, you're getting you know, him back early September yeah. and hoping that you're in the in the thick of it at that point. You can get four or five good starts out of him, and then he can be a nice rotational piece in, in the playoffs. Which, that to be honest, if, if we somehow make the playoffs and he's in the rotation, pitching game two or three for us, that's all. That, that's why we gave him that contract, right? Would it have been nice to get 25 to 30 starts out of him this year? Yeah, but that's not a reality it anymore. Nice for him to actually been healthy to contribute to them making the playoffs, or in this case, to keep their season alive in hopes of making the playoffs. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, like, I like the guy. It's cool that he pitched a no-hitter, but, like, like you just said, right? It's in terms of usefulness in their most desperate hour, which is right now. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, let's let's flip the script and and look at at some of the encouraging signs, some of the positives from this team over the last week or, or week and a half, leading back to be before the All Star break. Garrett Cole looks like he's he's figured out his spider tack, dry spell, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he was in rehab, I guess, right? Uh, and now he's gone out and fired. Back-to-back complete games, albeit one rain-shortened game, but he looks like he's he's back, right? And he's taken down two elite offenses. Araldus Chapman looked better on Sunday night, so who knows if he's going through the same things and just. I mean, I definitely laughed when he fired the first pitch back to the screen, but yeah, yeah. better after that, like. Right, uh, Rudnett Odor starting to swing the bat pretty well, and I think, at least myself, I'll speak for myself. I, not our whole families, but I think there's a lot of growing resentment seeing him in the lineup every night and a lot of people ready to give up on him. And he's become an important piece where we lack some offense right now and he's given us something. So that that's nice. And then Jamison Tyone, uh, again, same thing. A lot of fans, myself included, were ready to just pull the plug on him, right? After that outing against Philadelphia, where he didn't get out of the first inning. He had a good start to the year, had some up and ups and downs, and then it started going south really fast. And you're like, this is it. Pull the plug. This guy's a dud. Terrible cashman acquisition. He's been really good his last three outings. 
So and he's pitching deeper in the games too. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, obviously he's missed two years in a row, so it's going to take some time to build back up to that. But that's certainly an encouraging sign. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. I like it's for one thing we're making it through like April and May, and he's pitching like four and two thirds most times at like. It's it's looked bad at times because the Yankees are in such desperate need of you know, just playing better. But um, it'd be pretty cool. I know definitely be useful for the team beyond this year if if you know he continues to to work his way back into a good form. And that's you know a, a tip of the cap for him especially just because of how much that probably sucked for him. But like he's gotten a lot of shit, and it's it's, it's not even really fair to him beyond a few starts like that Philly one that he has gotten it. So. Kudos. Yeah, and he and he got a lot of shit for that quote he had, that soundbite that was, what did he say? It would be nice to pitch with the lead, but that's not the the situation I'm in right now. I mean, if anyone a lot of people, a lot of people pitching with a lead, it's Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, exactly. But but for for the same reason, I think a lot of people took that and were like, "Well, pitch better and you'll have a lead." And it's like, well, if you go out and your offense like, does nothing every inning, it's impossible to hold the team off the board. Uh, per- it's perpetuity, you know, right? Whether it's Garrett Cole or Jacob Degrom or whoever, right? You can't ask your starting pitcher to give up zero runs every time out. Like, you just can't. So, you know, yeah, like it's give it. It's fine. I get why the fan base would be mad about shit like that. But like, what was the stat? Jordan Montgomery went five starts in a row with zero runs. Five support. consecutive starts without a run of support, which is it's unfathomable. You know, we don't have to belabor the point and beat the Yankees' offensive, whatever you want to call it, inconsistencies, woes, stupidity. Like, we don't have to beat that drum again. But, like, you know, you feel for the pitchers when you see shit like that. Like, Yeah, for sure. There's, And to his discredit, he's given up early leads in most of those starts. But to his credit, he's limited the damage. I think he's given up a two- or three-run home run in something like three straight starts, right, within the first inning or two, and then just shut him down the rest of the way, got through five or six or seven innings and all those starts. Of course, he didn't get any run support, but when you see a crooked number early, in the, early on, you're like, ah, oh, this guy fucking sucks. Here we go, another blowout. And then you look up in the, the fourth, fifth inning, it's like, ah, oh, well, it's still 2 nothing, so we're still in this. Our offense is dead, so maybe we're not in it, but Monty hasn't imploded, right? So that's kind of the way he's been going. But yeah, to be really honest, just... it doesn't matter at the end of the day, right? If you go six innings and you allow one run on the third and one run on the sixth, or you give up two runs in the first and then go five shot it afterwards, the result's the same. The offense is doing, isn't doing anything. You're not winning the game regardless. Yeah, I mean, that's why the Corey Kluber injury sucks really badly. I think for all these guys, you know, for the rotation, like having that clear number two to take the pressure off would have just been – Really nice. And well, the really Yankees had a, had a number two, and then he went on the COVID list. <laughs> Nestor Cortez, which I, like, I, I was completely, completely wrong on him, especially after what we saw from him. A couple of years ago. Yeah, and then even in spring training, I think he looked terrible. I know spring training doesn't really mean much. I think his first outing, maybe he'd give up a run or two. And I was like, ah, this guy's washed. And then his ERA, you look up a month later, and his ERA was on par with Jacob DeGrum. He goes out so, there and dominates the Astros for five innings. like Right, and like he's doing his quirky shit with the quick pitch and the different arm slots and the different leg. deliveries. Yeah. And 
look, if that's what you got to do to win. If he doesn't have the the raw talent of some of these other guys, but he's finding a way to manufacture results, I'll hey, take you it. Got oh, yeah, you got Tony with it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, like, especially you know, Yankees rotation, man. The whole team, you know, with the injuries, you could just laugh about. It. We laugh about it in the group chat all the time. Be like, this shit doesn't end, right? Where it looked like it was going to happen again with Lamar the other night, where he. And kudos to him, where he's just like, yeah, I'm not coming out of the game. But, like, you know, there's been so many instances where the team just got, like, you know, they were just down bad, and they, you know, they had someone on the horizon, or someone was there, someone just got called up, and then it just, it just, an injury popped up, and it just went bad, right? Luis Severino was looking good. He was rehabbing, and then he, you know, popped his groin, and that was that. You know, he's still rehabbing now. So, like, what can you do? That that was really the the start of it. Because the first two, two and a half months of the season, we were just a very mediocre team. But we were generally healthy, right? And then shit hit the fan really fast. Both in the minors with our rehabbing guys and then the healthy guys on the roster. Luke Voigt's been on the IL three times now. Uh, Zach Britton's been on the IL twice. Darren O'Day's been on there twice. And now he's done for the year. It just kind of came hard and fast like a real shit storm blew through and we're still dealing with it so hopefully the end is in sight and, and they can find a way to stay healthy and get some production out of the guys that they have to roll out there every day because i don't know how much depth there is left in the team i mean i'm, I'm, I'm gonna say something for 15 seconds that usually when i say shit like this it goes goes in reverse so that would be sweet if it does but like luke Voigt's really starting to piss me off like it was the home run, home run league leader in home runs last year. That was wonderful, but like three separate ILs this year, right? What two years ago when he was, you know, hurt or whatever it was, he was unusable in the playoffs. Like, you know, the potential is nice. He's a very good player when he's healthy, but like he's never healthy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think and, we had pretty decent expectations for him after what he did last year. And the injury in spring training sucked, right? Tore meniscus, can't really do anything about that. But the other injuries since have been... They're just as concerning. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just, I don't know. It's Maybe it's me, right? It's a, You'd be hard-pressed after last year to be like, well, what do we have to worry about? Or he's the league leader in home runs or whatever. But, like, last year, out of context is great. But in context, it's one not full seasons worth of games, a shortened season that he just went out there and, and balled, and that was tremendous. But, like, in the context of the rest of his time with the Yankees, it's the season, the one season where he didn't get hurt. Like, And he was hurt last year. He played through it the whole time. Remember the foot stuff? He had plantar fascia. Yeah. A torn plantar fascia. And then he obviously missed the entire postseason run in 2019 because he had the oblique injury. I yeah. we, were rolling out, we were rolling out the ghost of Edwin Encarnacion oh, those days. And and he was healthy in 2018, but that was such a short playoff run that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, with, like the rest of the guys, right? I mean, we can let, we try and get back to some some optimism here. Like, the Judge and Urshela and whoever else, they're going to come back, right? Luke Voigt, it's his third IELTS stand. You don't know if he's going to come back. So like, Yeah, you really don't know what you're going to get with him this year. At this point, anything you can get is just gravy. And the real tragedy in it, in it is that for the amount of, of hype and talk up that Chris Gittins got, he hasn't really done much. I get it's been limited time, but 
he's just there. He's a warm body, right? But he's not really doing much. And of course, we traded away Mike Ford. And uh, who the hell's to say what would have happened if we kept him? But uh, I believe in the time he's been in the Rays organization, he leads their entire minor league system in home runs. He has like nine in 20 oh, games, which again, I know he's the Babe Ruth of, of, of AAA, but you always wonder, right? I don't wonder because we literally had extended time of watching him in the Yankees and he was bad. So yeah, like, I, I think I, I think that I very concern. much do not wonder because we know exactly what we'd be getting with him. So it's it's just the the Rays devil magic that they they pull out. And if you're Brian Cashman, what what was the motivation to make that trade? Right. I mean, it's the same, just... we say the same thing about Tyler Wade, though, right? Like we know Tyler Wade's going to go down to AAA and hit like 350, but when he comes up to the Yankees, he's just not going to be good. Like Mike Ford, right? Send his ass, send his ass down to AAA because he'll hit home runs or whatever else. Like it doesn't matter because when he comes up to the Yankees, he doesn't hit ever. So right, like what I mean, you know, it's 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 a this or that, like pick your poison kind of thing. But like I'd sooner yeah. be very okay just taking a flyer and giving Chris Gittens ten or fifteen games to just see if he can't, you know, get into a rhythm or whatever. Which is a shame. The the best offensive alignment right now. Of, of our defense would be Odor at second and DJ at first, right? Well, I mean, Gittin's the scouting report anyway. They talked about this on the on the broadcast last night. Like, he's a pretty good defensive first baseman. So it's not like you're a, Well, you know, well, I'm talking you're, about you're trying to maximize your offense, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Because yeah. having DJ at first is by no means your best defensive alignment. I'm saying, how do you set up? the infield to maximize your your offense at least the way right now it's it's going you want to have dj and odor both in the lineup i was going to say who else are you playing at their base tyler wade like well uh, the assumption i'm I'm doing a hypothetical here where where geo's back and he's back at third yeah well that's a week or so away so (laughs) it's going to be a long long week but let's look ahead to what the yankees got we, we kind of mentioned it briefly but Two games against Philly this week, followed by four at Fenway Park. Yankees got swept last time they went to Fenway a month ago, so obviously that can't happen this time around, especially after taking two out of three at home. you got to build up that momentum. Finally got into the win column against Boston. They could split or take three out of four. That would be incredible. And Cole chip starts away. one of those games. Yeah. You know, lined it up so Cole starts again. That's good. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after that, they have three games against Tampa. This is it. I mean, we said it kind of last last pod, but like this basically is the season. This 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 next whatever it is nine game stretch. You know, even the games against the Phillies because you can't just go out. Go out the Phillies aren't a good, like aren't a good team. You can't go out there and lose. You know those games after you or leading into a four game series against your division rivals. Like you can't do that. So they need to win those games against Philly too. For sure, uh, especially. That that they're at home, they they got and wiped in the two games in Philly earlier this year. That yeah. one excruciating loss, the extra innings walk off loss, and then they went out and got absolutely flattened in the second game, seven nothing loss. Aaron Nola pitched, I believe, like seven innings, three hits. So, <laughs> and guess who pitches tomorrow? Aaron Nola. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I should say the Phillies, they're not they're not a bad team. They're like average. They're two games over 500. But still, like it's a team that you would say that most nights when the Yankees line up, they should beat them. And they should. Well, well, this Yankees lineup, should they beat them? Who knows? I mean, the Yankees lineup that just 
use their devil magic to take two out of three from the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if that's more a tribute to our offense or, you know what, for as much as they talked up Boston's bullpen on the broadcast last night, there's no way those guys weren't using spider attack as well because, woof, some of those guys that had really good numbers, like Matt Matt Barnes did not look good. He didn't pitch yesterday, excuse me. He was a Brandon Workman, did not look good at all. That guy, Darwin's and Hernandez, had really good numbers coming in. I think he was part of the inning where they walked five guys in an inning. It's just like, good for us, right? If Boston's bullpen regresses a little bit, because that's been a – obviously their offense is great, but their bullpen's been a key piece to them being atop the division right now. And if they come back to earth, opens the door for some other teams. I mean, it opens the door for most likely the Rays. But, yeah, I mean <laughs> – I'd hope. I mean, I still, irrationally otherwise, you know, the Yankees need to survive this next nine or ten day stretch, but I still hope that the Yankees can get hot there. Yep. We can only hope, right? So, I guess we'll, yeah. we'll end quickly with, with some with some trade talk. We had mentioned some names beforehand, but trade deadline is 12 days away. And that's it. They don't do the waiver trades, the August thirty first deadline anymore. So that's the whole. Blog. You got you got you got one shot to improve your roster. If you're Brian Cashman, you had mentioned center field. Is there a specific name you have circled? Is there a specific guy you, you're thinking about as as a fan sitting on the couch at home? Who do you want the Yankees to go out and acquire and improve the team, or go ahead and flip the coin and say we're selling off because I'm still. <laughs> On either side of that line as well. I really think that they should sell, but not even necessarily in like a wholesale, like sell everyone because not everyone I don't think has that value that would really make it worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, in the next. 12 days, right? Maybe Chapman looks great again, right? He's an over 30 relief pitcher, power pitcher who hasn't yet had a serious arm injury. If someone comes calling with a good offer, be like, yeah, would I consider it? Yeah, probably. I'd probably do it. They did it in 2016 and he was, you know, younger and better then. So, yeah. And more than anything else, you get his, you clear his cap number for, for next year as well. Yeah. Like it's, it's a shame that we live in a, in a world where the Yankees are, not penny pinching, but financially like, restrained. Yeah, yeah, by their own by their own doing, but they are they are restrained. Um, Chapman, I would do. No one's going to trade for Voight now that he's hurt. But I would, you know, consider like if someone came with a good offer, like a really good offer for Gio Rochelle, I'd consider it. I'd be that would kind of hurt. Um, that would definitely hurt. But there's enough free agents available next year. It just year depends, right? If the Yankees go out there and lose four games to the Red Sox. And then the other, well, that would bring us right to, yeah, I mean, if they go out there and lose most of these games against the Rays and the Red Sox, like, what's the point of holding on to some of these pieces? Maybe not. I'm going to kind of take back the Gio Rochella thing. Unless someone made you, like, a tremendous offer, that I'd probably not do that. But, like, if they go out there and lose most of these games to the Red Sox, there's most of these games to the Red Sox and Rays, I would very much consider a lot of deals for some of these guys that they have on the roster. Like if, if people come calling because they won't be contenders at that point, they will be whatever, 12 games, 13 games out of first place. Like, 
it's an interesting argument for sure because you look at what the Chicago Cubs are probably going to do. Granted, I know they're under new management this year. They're five years removed from their their one World Series. They have a bunch of pending free agents or, or guys they're going to have to extend. The rumors are that they're looking at a full-fledged teardown, right, and reboot, capitalize on the guys who have value right now, and then kind of rebuild. I, I kind of like what the Yankees did in 2016. I think they're best suited for something like that. So it's not a, a rebuild. It's a retool or reload, whatever you want to call it, where you the, can keep the, certain core pieces, like you mentioned, like Judge isn't going anywhere. I, I wouldn't mind keeping Geo around for the remainder of his initial contract, right? And then maybe you you get rid of some of the fringe guys, some of the guys closer to free agency who have some values and veterans. Like I would suck trading a guy like Zach Britton, but if someone's willing to give you something of value, maybe you, like a nice arm and double or triple A or a fourth outfielder. Yeah, I mean those are those are trades that that provide value and builds you up for the future, which is where the Yankees need to be, right? They're not going to sell to a point where they're a 60 to 70 win team next year. They're going to want to compete every single year. So the only way you do that is you, you ship off some pieces, but you got to leave enough in the tank that you can supplement your team with free agency, not build your team with free agency this off season. Yeah. Like the, it, I mean, in, uh, for the Yankees' current situation, right? You're like, Gio Urshela is one of the guys that you would look at and be like, hey, you know what? That's a player that teams are going to want. One, because he's good. And two, because he's only entering a second year of arbitration next year. So, like, you know, Voight would be the same situation, but as we just detailed, he gets hurt a lot. So, no one, he's going to have far less suitors unless you have some, you know, witch doctor team out there thinking they can just get him and make him be healthy. But, like, you know, Chapman, something like that, right? We said, you know, you know, coming down to the wire on his contract where, you know, maybe they could do what the Cubs did and just, like, run him into the ground and hope that they can get a championship out of it. Like, um, other than that, I'd say there's not super ton of stuff to really sell that would get you a lot unless some team, you know, wants to come make an offer for a guy like Gary Sanchez. But I wouldn't want to do that. Um, you know, not right now anyway, unless you think, you know, some of these guys coming through the system are going to be ready to have a lot sooner than you otherwise would. But, you know, I'd say, I just think, you know, in terms of selling, that's it. But in terms of buying, my only focus is really on the outfield. Yeah, and I'll tell you who a name that's been rumored, not necessarily to the Yankees, but just in general. The Minnesota Twins have been as big of a disappointment, if not more, than than us this year because they had playoff aspirations as well. They weren't by any means talking about spirit. And they've been horrific, right? So their most important player arguably Byron Buxton. And they said they're they're trying to extend him right now. And if they can't come to an agreement, they may end up just trading him. Now Byron Buxton is exactly the type of player the Yankees need, right? An athletic, fast, elite defensive center fielder who's young and <laughs> can be a part of the core moving forward and he plays for a team that's in last place and may look to just sell off all their pieces. Now, is he the difference between them winning the division or, or not making the playoffs at all? I, 
probably not but not this year but i mean he's that good and it's funny because it's the same position it's the same team it's the same general time frame as you'd be acquiring like when they acquired aaron hicks and buxton i really think maybe not defensively but i like very much offensively is better he's i think he's better on both sides of the ball Um, he's he's a gold glove caliber center fielder when he's healthy and he got off to a really really strong start offensively this year before his injury um, he obviously did which is a concern a little bit. he has yeah. been hurt a couple times over the last couple of years yeah but you look at, at his numbers granted he's only played in 27 games but before he got hurt he had an ops north of 1100 <laughs> oh no i mean i'm very much okay yeah and, and he had like, 10 hit 10 on ones in a month around. it was wild the kind of start he got off to and yeah, what's his contract looking at? Is he is he a free agent this year, next year? Because if they're talking about extending him, you would think that he's probably ready to be a free agent, right? Let me let me just double check this. Got it. You have it up. So, oh, Luigi. So, so he so he is a super two, which means he has a fourth year of our. He's arbitration, yeah, so he's got arbitration next year, and then he's unrestricted in 23. Yeah, so, so that's, a great deal. that's exactly the type of thing we were talking about, right? You get a guy for the rest of this year, help you make the playoffs if possible, and then you also have them all of next year at a, I would say, reasonable amount, right? So he signed to just over $5 million this year. Maybe he can get about that next year, maybe a little more. Obviously, you would expect – a significant raise if you play the full season, but that's well, yeah, that's it depends on what kind of a contract, right? Is he a hundred million dollar player or is he going to get one of those like Aaron Hicks or like team friendly extensions, right? He's 27, so he's going to want the bigger one, right? He's going to get one shot at free agency after the 2022 season, and at that point, he'll be well, his birthday was actually just yesterday, so he just turned 27, but by the time he's a free agent, he'll be. 28 going into his age 28 29 season you, you really got one crack at free agency yeah and he's going to want to capitalize which is a sticky situation because you don't know what the Yankees are going to want to spend on and uh well the i mean the other the other thing is buxton would be something that i'd be very much for but like the yankees were uh, mentioned in rumors for Starling Marte, which I think mm-hmm. you mentioned his name earlier tonight. But yeah, like Starling Marte, but he's older and also unrestricted, so he would need a contract if he wanted to keep him. That would just be a straight rental, which I'm really not, you know. But the upside of that of rentals is that they cost less. Yeah, but like, what's the point? I just don't get it, right? Because it's you like, can get you can get an upgraded position for minimal prospect capital. That's the point. If you get a guy yeah, like Joey Gallo or Byron Bucks, yeah. and you're going to pay for it. Now, the thing is, are you willing to pay for it? If you want to have someone to play right field over Ryan Lamar, then yeah, I get it. But like, I just think center field, especially, is such a dire situation at this point that you should be looking for a longer term situation. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I'm really mad that Cattell Marte is hurt because I want the Yankees to get him, and he's under contract for like three more years. Yeah, what's the deal with that injury though? Because if you get a guy who you can get back in you know, a week or two after acquisition, it's still worth it, but. Um, I haven't really seen 
an update. It was, it was a it was a hamstring. It was a hamstring. Right? Yeah. yeah. Those, so those who the hell knows stuff. with that? Yeah. Like you, you're never really okay until you're just kind of okay with a hamstring. But I haven't heard any update about it since he went on in late June. Yeah, that sucks. But the Diamondbacks are literally like a, just a five alarm dumpster fire. They're a disaster. So. Yeah. So there there's a lot of different options that Cashman can go if he decides to add. It's certainly going to be interesting if they decide to sell, or in the case of 2016, he could do both. Remember, we traded away Andrew Miller and Errol Chapman, and then we traded for Tyler Kleppert, who, before things went to shit in 2017, he was actually pretty decent for us in 2016. So, right, before that's how you can that's how you can kind yeah. of sell your fan base a, a bill of goods, like, hey, we're still we're still going to try to make the playoffs this year. But we're really not because we we made our, our roster worse. But it will be, it will be better next year for it. So if they kind of straddle the line that way, I'd be okay with that as well. Which is all this to say that you know the next nine days basically is it? Yep. Because I think if they go out there and beat the Red Sox and the Rays you know, whatever, five out of seven or four, even, you know, whatever, something along those lines, right? Unless they don't lose six out of seven games to these two teams, I think it's not a short walk for them to talk themselves into buying. I'm just not so sure that's the path that they should go, you know, long-term anyway. I, I just, I don't know. There's The first half of the season has asked questions of this roster that I don't necessarily feel confident about the answers right now. It's a tough place to be, and like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how it how it all plays out. But it seems like a good point for us to to wrap up the show tonight. And for G, for Andrew, it's been the Bronx Bomber Babble Podcast. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>